Chapter Three, Part Three of the Markets of Paris by Emile Zola. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Handsome Fishwoman, Part Three. Laurent did not admire her especially. She was too large, too powerfully built to please him, in spite of Mademoiselle Saget's statement that he was her lover. The old maid had quarrelled with La Normande about a fish she had purchased, and immediately became very friendly toward La Belle Lisa and hoped in that way to make the acquaintance of florent who however contrived to escape her clutches the cousin excited her curiosity to the most extraordinary degree since he frequented the mahoudens she spent most of her time hanging over the railing of the staircase she knew that la belle lisa was by no means pleased to see florent go to these women and therefore went regularly to the eating-house to tell her all that was going on she put her hands on the counter as she talked she never bought anything but contented herself with saying over and over again he was there yesterday and la normande called him dear out in the corridor the day after she chose to believe that she had seen florent leaving claire's room she rushed into lisa's presence saying that it was a disgrace i saw it with my own eyes she declared he just goes from one to the other and there is the old mother sleeping in her room between the daughters i think it is simply scandalous lisa shrugged her shoulders she said little encouraging the old maid's gossip only by her silence when the allusions became broader she frowned and said under her breath no this will never do mademoiselle saget answered that all women were not as respectable as herself she ought to have found that out by this time she was too indulgent to the cousin a man of his age ought not to run after every petticoat was he married but lisa would never say a word about the cousin and when mademoiselle saget had gone immediately called to augustine to bring a cloth to rub off the spots left by the fingers of the little old woman on the shining marble it is disgusting she muttered the rivalry of la belle lisa and la belle normande became daily more aggressive the latter being quite sure that she had stolen lisa's lover each woman evinced her hostility according to her temperament one tranquil and contemptuous with the air of a woman who draws her skirts closely around her to keep them from contamination the other insolent loud and gay with the manner of a successful duellist who is eager for a prey their glances crossed each other like swords when la normande passed the eating-shop and lisa stood at the door when lisa went to the fish-market she turned up her nose when she passed her rival's stall and bought at the next a turbot or a salmon to hear the rivals talk of each other one would believe that they sold spoiled fish and tainted meat they could see each other too from their respective places of business the great cow is up cried la belle normande she is pulling her corset lace as tight as if it were at the end of one of her big sausages at the same moment on the other side of the street lisa was saying to her assistant do you see that poor creature opposite she is losing all her good looks with the life she leads do you see her earrings it is a great pity for a girl like that to wear such expensive ones it is a great pity for the one who has to pay for them answered augustine complacently but in the afternoon the contest waged hotter la belle normande embroidered with the most delicate of needles this exasperated lisa who said she has best darn her boy's stockings with those red hands lisa was knitting as usual it is always the same stocking too remarked the other she eats so much that she falls asleep over her work 
the two women forbade their children to speak to each other pauline and much before this had been excellent friends the little girl with her fresh crisp skirts and the bare-legged boy paddling in the gutter one day when much came for pauline as usual lisa dismissed him as if he had been a beggar you cannot play with my child she said i could never have an easy moment he has such examples before him the child was only seven mademoiselle saget nodded her head sagaciously you are right he is thoroughly depraved he was found in the cellar the other day with one of the neighbor's little girls la belle normande when much ran to her weeping to tell her of his disappointment was perfectly furious she would have liked to break every pane of glass in lisa's windows but contented herself with whipping much if you ever go there again she raged you will have an account to settle with me the real victim of these two women was florent for they would never have quarrelled but for him it was he who had set them all by the ears for until his arrival they had lived in dull peace la belle lisa preserved the attitude toward her brother-in-law of a judge she showed him clearly that she utterly disapproved of his conduct but did her best not to show the jealousy she felt honest woman as she was and thorough as was her disdain of florent she never saw him leave the house to go to la rue pirouette without a pang the dinners at the quenus were less cheerful the excessive neatness of the dining-room became almost rigid florent hardly dared eat lest he should let a few crumbs fall on the floor lisa said with a smile one day it seems to me that you grow thinner and thinner in her tone there was something of the distrust which mother mehuden openly acknowledged feeling toward thin people and quenu hazarded more than one allusion to the dissipated life his brother was believed to lead lisa however never made the smallest allusion to la belle normande and one night when her name dropped from quenu's unwary lips she became so icy that he never repeated the offence lisa never spoke of florent to her husband she thought it unwise to make the smallest difference between the brothers unless absolutely necessary at this time she was very tolerant and avoided every allusion which could remind the inspector that he ate and drank with her without paying for the privilege but one day she said to quenu we are never alone now if you wish to speak to me you must wait until we go to bed and one evening as she was sewing she said to her husband why does not your brother buy himself some underwear i have been obliged to give him three old shirts of yours he never knows what he does with his money answered quenu and it is none of our business replied his wife only once did she lose her repose of manner la normande had presented florent with a fine salmon he did not know how to refuse nor what to do with it and finally carried it home to lisa suppose you make a pate of it he said ingenuously she looked at him with whitened lips then in a voice that she strove to render firm she answered do you think we are in need of food thank heaven we have enough to eat yet take it away will you not cook it for me asked florent amazed at her anger her anger burst forth do you think this house is a country inn tell the persons who gave it to you to cook it it shall not be done in my kettles or pans take it away i tell you he carried it to monsieur lebigre rose was told to make a pate of it and this pate was eaten the same evening monsieur gavard adding some oysters to the feast by degrees florent gradually fell into the way of spending more time at the cabaret 
sometimes when he had established himself for a quiet evening's work in his attic the absolute quiet of the room grated upon him and he dropped everything and went off to listen to the sarcastic denunciations of charvet and to the bitter axioms of logre one evening logre having been more violent than usual brought his fist down on the table furiously and declared that if the men of to-day were worth anything they would pull down the government and he added that the day was not far off when this would be done and that they had best hold themselves in readiness heads were then drawn closely together voices were lowered and gavard from that day looked upon himself as belonging to a secret society a most dangerous organization discussions were renewed night after night for months then followed questions of organizations questions of ends and means questions of strategy and future government as soon as rose had served the party clemence included the doors were closed and the seance was opened charvet and florent were the two to whom the others naturally listened gavard could not hold his tongue however and little by little he told the story of cayenne and promoted florent to the distinction of a martyr and one night when some one said something against his friend who was absent he exclaimed do not attack florent he has been to cayenne but charvet was not abashed even by this distinction and he replied cayenne cayenne indeed it is not such a bad place after all he then tried to prove that exile was nothing that it was far worse to remain in a country oppressed by triumphant despotism he insisted that only simpletons were arrested on the second of december and seemed much out of temper however that he had not arrived at that distinction himself florent called himself a socialist and was supported by alexandre and lacaille as to gavard having been reproached for his fortune he more than once announced himself to be a communist the fact is said charvet in his decisive tone the trunk is rotten and it should be cut down yes answered logre standing up to make his assent more imposing yes you are right he repeated pompously robin approved with a silent nod which became more frequent the more revolutionary the propositions became his eyes gleamed at the word guillotine he shut them partially and seemed to be looking at the thing itself and then he rubbed his chin with a gentle purr of satisfaction i think said florent in a voice which had a tone of sadness i think that the tree should be preserved to graft upon it a new life it is time now to think of the workmen our movement should be a social one and i defy you to restrain the people from advancing their claims they will have their share now they are weary of standing back these words filled alexandre with wild enthusiasm yes he cried that is true all revolutions said lacaille have been for the middle classes we must have our turn but exclaimed charvet do you expect me to fight for the workmen if they refuse to fight for me but after all that is not the question france cannot be accustomed to the exercise of liberty without ten years of revolutionary dictatorship particularly said clemence in a low distinct tone as the workman is not mature and needs guidance she spoke but rarely this strange grave quiet woman listened like any man to these political discussions she sat leaning against the wall looking from one to the other of the speakers with a nod of assent or a frown of disapproval which proved that she fully understood what was said and that she had moreover decided opinions on the most complicated subjects sometimes she rolled a cigarette and smoked it slowly and contemplatively she had the air of sitting in judgment and looked as if she had prizes to distribute at the end 
she evidently thought it due to her position as a woman to reserve her opinion and not mingle in the discussions sometimes however in the heat of them she uttered a word or two and struck the nail on the head to use gavard's expression or put the climax to something which charvet had said the truth was that she thought herself far cleverer than any of these men with the exception of robin whom she respected for his silence florent like the other men paid very little attention to clemence whom in fact they regarded as one of themselves they shook her hand as if they would loosen her arm from its socket one evening florent heard her and charvet talking over her accounts charvet asked her to lend him ten francs but she said no that they must first know just how they stood they lived together on the basis of freedom both in love and money each paid his expenses strictly and thus were slaves to no man the rent food washing and amusements were all divided and this evening clemence proved to charvet that he already owed her five francs she then gave him the ten for which he asked saying remember you now owe me fifteen you must pay me when you get your money for little leudier's lessons when rose was summoned to receive the money due from the little circle clemence was laughed at because she ordered a glass of grog charvet said she did it to humiliate him because he earned less than she although he laughed he felt this fact keenly and inwardly protested against it in spite of his theory of the equality of the sexes if these discussions amounted to little they at least exercised the lungs of these gentlemen sometimes they talked so loudly that rose serving some blouse at the counter would cast an uneasy glance toward the closed door they are quarrelling in there said the blouse wiping his mouth on the back of his hand no danger answered m lebigre quietly it is only gentlemen talking lebigre who was strict enough with his other customers let these talk and shout as much as they pleased without any interference from him he sat for hours on his soft cushioned chair sleepily watching rose uncork her bottles and wipe her glasses but no matter how sleepy he was he always rose when the discussions in the private room became at all loud and placed himself where he could hear what was said and sometimes even he after a light tap on the door knocked and went in and gavard himself said that le bigre could be relied on if troubles came but one morning at market when florent interfered between rose and a fishwoman in a tremendous quarrel that took place apropos of some herring he heard the latter call rose the spy's mistress and the dirty rag of the prefecture when peace was established he went about quietly and informed himself as far as he was able in regard to le bigre one said that he had been on the police force another said that he was a usurer and lent to the market people at the most fearful rate of interest florent was much disturbed and that same evening he in a low voice told his friends what he had heard his discourse was received with derision poor florent said charvet maliciously because he has been at cayenne he always thinks the police are at his heels gavard gave his word of honour that le bigre was honest and honourable but logre was very angry he twisted himself on his chair until it cracked and said that it was a little too much to hear these constant suggestions of the police for his part he would rather stay at home and think no more of politics had he not been transported twice he looked so ferocious that the others nodded in assent but lacaille when he heard the word usurer turned away his head in fact the plot made but little progress at the beginning of the summer florent had been somewhat distrustful but had now begun to believe in the possibility of some revolutionary movement 
he occupied himself with the idea quite seriously taking notes and drawing up plans he even induced his brother to accompany him to the cabaret one evening with the feeling that he was still his pupil and should be now launched in politics quenu liked this new experience he liked the noise he liked the novelty of the presence of a woman in such a place la belle lisa noticed his haste to leave home in the evening she said nothing but when he and florent went away she stood at her door and saw them enter the cabaret with stormy eyes and compressed lips mademoiselle saget one evening recognized quenu's shadow on the ground-glass windows of the private room which looked out on la rue pirouette she had found an excellent post of observation where she soon learned to know every shadow sometimes she felt as if she might find out something more tangible if she were on the spot so she took her cordial bottle on the pretence that she must take something the first thing in the morning she made rose wash her bottle in order to spend more time at the counter but at last she could find no further excuse for delay and she reluctantly turned to leave when she heard quenu say in a childish tone it is high time that these deputies and ministers should be put down before eight o'clock the next morning mademoiselle saget was at lisa's she found la sarriette and madame lecoeur there buying hot sausages for their breakfast as the little old maid had drawn them into her quarrel with la belle normande they naturally became quite intimate with lisa they declared that the fishwoman was abominable and that florent was getting tired of managing the two and was handing one of them over to his friend gavard the four went often to supper at barat's on the especial morning of which we write the old maid had prepared a blow for la belle lisa i saw monsieur quenu she said in her sweetest voice they have a good time those gentlemen in that private room where they make so much noise lisa did not choose to look as if she heard but in reality not a word escaped her mademoiselle saget went on they had a woman with them oh not monsieur quenu i don't say it was he for i don't know it was clemence interrupted la sarriette she puts on such airs just because she was educated at a boarding-school she lives with a ragged professor i have seen them together many a time i know said the old maid who had known all the time and merely wished to disturb lisa who however looked as placid as usual she seemed interested in something that was going on in the market then the other tried again and addressing madame lecoeur she said if i were you i would advise my brother-in-law to be prudent they say the most awful things in that room men really seem to have no sense with their politics if they should be heard things might go hard with them gavard does as he chooses sighed madame lecoeur but this is the drop too much anxiety will soon use me up entirely oh answered mademoiselle saget it will do no harm so long as only a safe person like myself hears them but last night when monsieur quenu said she stopped lisa had certainly started monsieur quenu said that all the ministers and deputies ought to be shot lisa turned around she was very pale did quenu say that she asked yes and much more that i cannot remember but there is no harm done for as i say it was only i who heard him and you know that i am as safe as possible i know too how much harm such words might do a man it is between ourselves entirely lisa was herself again she was too proud to allow these people to see that there was the smallest cloud between herself and her husband she smiled faintly and said 
it is all nonsense my dear woman when the three women were on the sidewalk they agreed that lisa looked extremely discomfited and they thought there would be trouble soon among these people madame lecoeur asked what was done with people who were arrested for political reasons the old maid said she had no idea she only knew that they were never seen again la sarriette whereupon jauntily remarked that perhaps they were thrown into the seine that day at breakfast and dinner lisa made no remarks nor when in the evening her husband went away with florent that night the discussion was so interesting that it was prolonged until after midnight quenu went home with rather an uneasy conscience he opened the three or four doors of his house as softly as possible and crossed the salon on tiptoe on entering his bedroom he was annoyed to see that lisa had left a candle burning as he took off his boots the clock struck half-past one with a clear ringing sound which was so loud that he started and turned a glance of reproach upon the shining gutenberg he could only see lisa's back she lay with her head buried in her pillows but he knew she was not asleep that her eyes were wide open and fixed on the wall her large shoulders were eloquent with restrained anger quenu considerably disconcerted by the silent reproach of her attitude blew out the candle and slipped into bed lying on its very edge finally he fell asleep not daring to say good-night the next day he slept late when he awoke he lay for a few minutes looking at lisa who was seated before her secretary putting her papers in order he summoned all his courage and said from over the eiderdown coverings why did you not wake me before what are you doing putting my drawers in order she answered he felt the weight lifted from his shoulders but she added you can't tell what may happen if the police should come the police did you say yes certainly are you occupied with politics now he raised himself considerably startled by this unexpected attack i do not care a sou for politics he said the police won't come here i fancy for i shall not compromise myself no indeed answered lisa with a shrug of the shoulders you merely wish to shoot everybody i i yes and you shout this out at a second-rate cabaret mademoiselle saget heard you say it all the whole quartier know by this time that you are a red he pulled the sheets over his head he was not more than half awake he shivered as if he already heard the gendarmes at the door of his room he looked at her with her hair dressed as usual her well-fitting gown was the one she always wore and vaguely wondered at finding her so correct under these dramatic circumstances you know she continued that i leave you absolutely free she went on sorting her papers i have no desire to rule you are the master you can ruin us it is my duty to look out for pauline he protested but she silenced him with a gesture i do not wish to quarrel she said had you asked my advice she rose and went from the bed to the window and back again to her desk from which she brushed a few grains of dust for my part i am grateful to the government our business is prosperous and i eat my dinner quietly and sleep undisturbed by cannon how was it in forty-eight uncle gradel showed us on his books how he lost over six thousand francs at that time now that we have the empire all is prosperous what more do you want how will you be any better off when you have shot everybody she stood with her arms folded looking at quenu who disappeared entirely he put out his head at last and essayed an explanation but became hopelessly involved in the political and social systems of charvet and florent 
he spoke of the future of the democracy of the regeneration of society in such confused terms that lisa shrugged her shoulders in despair he finally attacked the empire it was the reign of utter profligacy of theft by mailed hands you see he said repeating a phrase he had caught from logre we are at the mercy of a band of adventurers who are devastating france we must have done with them very well and what then you are not obliged to assassinate pillage or steal and what do we care what other people do she was quite magnificent as she walked up and down the room in stately fashion if the government does vile things she continued i do not wish to know it gavard says that the emperor is a bad man and that he is mixed up in some scandalous stories this may be true probably is but that need not prevent your voting for him for he does not ask you to lend him money and you have only to let the government understand that you are satisfied in the prosperity of your business listen to me and she seated herself on the edge of the bed do you want your shop pillaged do you want your cellar emptied and your money taken do you think that if these men at monsieur lebigre's triumph that you will be as comfortable as you are now no indeed then why do you talk so lightly of upsetting a government which has given you this protection you have a wife and a daughter your first duty is to them you have no right to risk their happiness there are plenty of people without a roof over their heads who can risk their lives as much as they please but as for you my dear simple husband you had best make yourself comfortable eat well sleep well and keep an easy conscience france does not need you she laughed and quenu was entirely convinced that she was right and that she was a very pretty woman he looked around the room and his eyes fell on their portraits which had quite an air of distinction he thought the chamber too was quite imposing the squares of guipure gave an air of respectability to the chairs the carpets and curtains had a most comfortable aspect and he seemed to himself to have risked the loss of all these at monsieur lebigre's now said his wife you must promise to meddle no more with politics sustain the government to the extent of your ability and when you are old you will live in peace on your income Quenu again assented it is gavard he murmured the smile faded from her face no it is not gavard i know who it is he should be sure of his own safety before he compromises others do you mean florent asked quenu timidly she did not reply at once but turned away to the secretary then she said in quick decided tones yes i mean florent you know i am very patient on no consideration would i come between you and your brother the ties of blood are sacred but the truth is that ever since your brother came things have gone from bad to worse no i will not say any more there was a long silence and as quenu looked in a dazed sort of way at the ceiling she continued with more violence he seems to have no idea either of the sacrifices we make for him he has augustine's chamber and the poor girl has to sleep in a closet without a breath of air we feed him and supply all his needs and he accepts everything as a matter of course he makes money but we see none of it you know we have his inheritance in our business quenu timidly observed lisa looked as if she were stunned her anger fell you are right she said slowly we have his inheritance and the account is in that drawer he would not have it as you remember which proves the truth of my words that he is a fellow without any sense if he had been in the least practical he would have done something with that money i did not want it 
i spoke to him several times but he would not hear me i wish you would compel him to take it quenu uttered a groan lisa dropped that point no he is not like any person i ever saw before she continued i say this merely because we are talking about him i should not trouble myself about what he did or where he went were it not that the whole quartier are talking about him but i tell you positively that if he is going to meddle with politics again and proposes to involve you that i shall get rid of him at once i warn you and i hope you understand laurent was condemned she made a strong effort to control herself and not allow her husband to suspect the flood of bitterness which filled her soul she went on he worries me she said he frightens me besides he smells of fish and i can't eat a mouthful when he is at the table he eats though but why does he not grow fat passes my comprehension she went to the window as she spoke and caught a glimpse of her brother-in-law just entering the market and the look with which she followed him was that of a combatant of a woman who is resolved to triumph when she turned quenu had risen he was pale and shivering not from cold but with grief at the lack of harmony between his wife and his brother but lisa smiled and handed him his slippers which courtesy touched him greatly End of chapter three